I think in uh, two years or five years, there's, there isn't going to be anyone that doesn't know what esports is. Uh, and I mean, in two years or five years, we might be bigger than baseball. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have the John Robinson, that's right, the president and COO of 100 Thieves. And if you don't know what that is, you're about to find out because it is the future of sports. It's the future of content. It's the fastest growing content in the world. And it all started, I'm gonna tell a quick story. John, welcome to the Entrepreneurs of the Playbook. How are you? David, thanks for having me. Big fan, glad to, uh, glad to be here. Looking forward to it. I'm a big fan too of your company and you, the original and you, John Robinson. Uh, you know, for me, I wanna start because the biggest thing about esports uh, and, you know, gaming in general is the divide of how people and what people understand that. And I'll give you an example. You know, I spent my career as, you know, a, a leader in sports and media and agentry and all this. And I'm going to the final of uh, the Cavs in the Golden State. And my son looks over at Oracle and he said, Dad, that's Oracle. They sold out the League of Legends championship in there. And I said, what are you talking about? That's a stadium. That's a gaming, bro. They, they didn't sell anything out. He said, no, they sold that out. I'm like, he was seven at the time. I'm like, that can't be. And I looked over the head of my media. He goes, shaking his head, yes. He goes, yeah, and they have more viewers than the NBA Finals will have. And that's when I started initiating my interest in esports. And then as recent as right before COVID, I was on Barstool. I'm not going to mention my friend's name, whose who show it was. And I, I uh, mentioned esports, and this is four years later, and they didn't know what esports were. Right? This is one of the leaders in you know media, and yet you know some of the owners, the biggest players. Every there's so many people involved worldwide. Why do you think there's still such a separation of education and knowledge of even what the platform is? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and. Um... I think the uh, that information gap is uh, is quickly closing, and I think in uh, two years or five years, there's there isn't going to be anyone that doesn't know what esports is. Uh, and I mean, in two years or five years, we might be bigger than I don't know, baseball. So um, I think we're on, <laughs> one we're year. on the, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're on the right trajectory here. Um, and even people like Barstool are making big investments in in esports and gaming now because they see how how relevant it is. Um, but overall, I just think like whether it's viewership or investment or the people involved, it's really just a generational shift. You know, it's like gaming has become so powerful across pop culture and with an audience that grew up with games. So call it anyone under the age of maybe like 45 or 50. Um, but there's still there's still a lot, a lot to go here, you know. So it's like for us, we're definitely not trying to convert baseball fans from baseball to esports, but rather, you know teenagers are coming up and they just have a whole new set of affiliations, whether that's media or content or sports or, you know, celebrities. And we feel like gaming is on the right side of those trends. Yeah. I think gaming is a hub, right? Whether you're an enthusiast for traditional sports, there's an area of gaming for you. Uh, I call it the great equalizer when it comes to the hub, because, you know, coming from, you know, short, untalented Jewish kid who played college football and dreamed of equality, um, it's a platform or a hub that allows everyone to compete, everyone to participate, everyone to witness. And there's no other sport that has the accessibility 
both on and off the field that has ever been created. And I still think that as big as it is, and I know being on the knowledge side or the base of, of knowledge side right now, I don't think we've seen even close to how big this gets and how many different areas that we utilize this platform in the world. Uh, and it's not just sports. It's like I said, it's a content platform that can change the world. Yeah, totally agree with you. And I think you, I think you hit it right on the head in how aspirational games are. Um, I, I certainly was a much better Madden player than football player. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, I think when people play video games, they're like, well, if I just, you know, if I really dedicated myself to this, I bet I could be one of the best players in the world. And having, you know, recruited and having some of the most talented, talented video game players in the world play for 100 Thieves, I know how big that skill gap actually is. But for the average, for the average gamer, that, that thought and that aspiration that like, maybe I could do this is like one of the best parts of video games. Everybody thinks that they, have the, they could be the best in the world. And they can participate though, you know, like, even, like, you know, tackle football, you only can participate till a certain age. Uh, you, you know, it, you're going to continually get better. Uh, the older that you get, the more that you play, the more that you practice, the better that you get. And so, you know, even if you have disabilities, you can play and compete and participate. There's so many great things about it. Um, the other part about it is it's grown so fast and it's so global that we don't, we didn't have the time to build the structure around it you know, the, the core monetary structure around the rights and the IP and the leagues and the regulations and the rules. And you take the old traditional model of, you know, college sports, for example, and which is a key area in high school sports, they all are dying to have some sort of organization. And yet because of the historical conflicts and, you know, dollars that were included in, for example, the NCAA or CIF, there's now a whole world of business that's going on around the gaming industry. And it seems to me there's so many variables that we may never get to, you know, the problem with like rugby, for example, is it's always been so many different people wanting to get involved. My biggest concern with the platform is that there's so many chefs in the kitchen that we never get like the NFL or the MLB where there's one solidified, you know, NCAA for college kids or one solidified high school unit where we can have, uh, you know, a, a governing body of sorts or some sort of fair platform to monetize it. Yeah, that's definitely, it's definitely true. And I think a good, a good observation, you know, like esports is such a global phenomenon and there are so many players and stakeholders involved that I think it will end up looking a little bit more like soccer where you have many competing governing bodies and leagues and people who are affiliated um, whether that's, you know, Champions League or UEFA or, you know, the U.S. Soccer Federation or FIFA, et cetera, et cetera. So it's similar with esports, but as a business person, it's also like such an unbelievably interesting and dynamic time. And so it looks a lot like those, those eras when, you know, the ABA and the NBA got together or the NFL were just being formed because every year there's so many changes to the structure and dynamics of what's happening here that it's like, this is, this is certainly like the formative era of esports that I think how the next two or three years play out is going to determine the next 20 or 25 years. And so we're really excited to kind of have a seat at the table during such a crucial period. It's so funny because when I invested in Splice years ago, I told my wife, I go, I always wonder what it felt like to be Al Davis. 
you know, like when nobody really wanted a team and it was, you know, like, is this too high of a valuation? I'm totally risking. I'm going to lose all my money. And then, you know, the next thing I, you, you know, in a lot faster time than the NFL got there, you know, I have, you know, a great asset and a great investment and great people around me and great partners like you that are promoting the sport and all tides are raising the waters. Where do you see the biggest opportunity? So, you know, a ton of kids are graduating college. There's a ton of people that are going to be unemployed in sports, right? Mm -hmm. Traditional sports, uh, sports marketing, sports advertising have all been accelerated. And I think more aligned to the trajectory of your platform, you know, where are the opportunities for entrepreneurs and for people that want jobs within the context of, of, of this space? Sure. Um, it's a great question and certainly very timely. Um, gaming as entertainment is, I think, maybe the biggest opportunity on, on the internet right now. Um, and the reason why I say that is, I think Twitch viewership is up like 300% since COVID. Um, YouTube viewership is up like 50% or something like that. Gaming is the number two channel on YouTube after music. Um, it's like the trends are so significant and the growth is so significant. There are just massive, massive opportunities here. And if you look at hundred thieves, one of the reasons why we've leaned into content and entertainment so hard is because we see such a significant audience there. People love the competitive side of gaming and esports, but as much as they love that, they also love entertainment and personality driven content, similar to what Barstool has done and house of highlights has, have done and doing that for gaming. I think it's just a massive, massive opportunity right now. Absolutely. And then one of the other things, you know, obviously mass gatherings, uh, it'll be probably till we have a vaccine that we're going to be able to have these mass type of gatherings again. And we will get, you know, the nice thing about knowing our technology and knowing our world efforts that we'll get to that point. And I have no fear about it. But one of the most interesting things I've learned about what you do um, is I still don't get why people want to fill a stadium. And, and watch and i'd love to get you know someone i'm 52 years old so you know me and warren moon are friends because he's the best tech mobile player ever you know that's <laughs> where i kind of started my gaming career but you know for me i i just am sitting here I, I know why i watch it online i know why i watch youtube videos about it i actually do i find them really entertaining but the one thing you know maybe i'm just old and you can tell me if that's just the fact it's like going to you know a club and the dj's up there on his laptop and like people are shining their lighters like this dude is like super talented when i was like have you ever seen prince perform you know you're gonna give this guy his props for being on a computer you know it what do you think it is that and because i know they're gonna fill arenas again mm -hmm. for my lifetime but what what is it that you know that emotional attachment that that makes people want to be there I think it's, I think it's community. And I think it's something that's like really special that's developed in the last 10 years is like, there were lots of people and their gaming community was only on the internet. And for the first time now, besides we've seen this with Comic-Con and other things like communities are showing up in person at real life events. And I think, you know, League of Legends is a great example. Like they don't, they're not selling out Staples Center 50 times a year, right? It's, twice a year where they get together in major, major, you know, metro areas in New York, Los Angeles, you know, like Chicago. And they're selling out these major arenas because it's like such a special moment for you and your community to get together and see the best League of Legends players in the world. So I think that like cadence of doing just a few major events 
feels much more relevant than what other kind of like traditional sports models are doing or trying to throw in-person events every weekend. So I think these special massive events, it's kind of like Coachella for video games in a lot of ways. It's, it's just like a moment that you can't miss because you know it's so significant and it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, like a South by Southwest. Totally. Those events, yeah. You, you know what's interesting I see as well is, you know, I speak around the world and I see a transformation, an accelerated transformation of a lot of big companies. And, and this is where I think esports is really going to change when the Fortune 100 really dive in with the big dollars and they pull them from the NFL, the MLB and the NHL, and they realize how much more of an impact they can have with their dollars by sponsoring the teams, the leagues, the organizations, et cetera, and players, by the way. But, you know, I think the, the interesting thing is I see corporations, you know, who used to do all these live, you know, events with 50 people and, and they're extremely time consuming and expensive moving towards more of the esport model, right? So they're hiring me to, to speak at more events for less money with a lot less of my time because mm-hmm. people are more used to using Zoom the same way they do Twitch or YouTube, et cetera. I see, you know, the same thing uh, that we're mirroring esports is that there's all these little online events for a big company and they're going to get accustomed to utilizing those and that's what esports does, all these little tournaments and all these different leagues and everywhere around. And then you have that big convention, right? The big annual meeting where everybody shows up because it's a community. And I think that the sponsorship side of it is really at its in, like infancy. And they, the dollars that are being spent today are going to be nothing like it's going to be literally, you said, two or four years. A year from now, it's already hockey stick, but I, I don't think the companies, because there's executives that are my age or older, have really got through that knowledge gap where they realize, wait, I've been wasting my money putting a billboard up at a stadium. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're seeing that shift in, in real time. Um, like, you know, our sponsors have moved away from a lot of the endemic categories to now our, our largest partners are people like Cash App, which is owned by Square, a public company. Uh, General Mills and their Totino's brand, Chipotle, um, Rocket Mortgage. You know, these are like really, really large, you know, like Fortune Fortune 500 companies. Um, and what they're seeing is obviously the, the gaming community and the gaming demographic is really interesting for them. But also I think 100 Thieves and other people in the space that are really authentic can help them introduce their brands to the, to to that audience in like a really meaningful way that's very different than just running a commercial during an esports broadcast or uh, running a commercial during a TV show. So yeah, we're trying to do much more, much like deeper integrated partnerships um, around the content we're producing and the teams that we have. And I think that's really, that's really worked out for the brands that, that, that we're affiliated with. And as that adaptation takes place, last question real quick, coming from the sports agency history, Lee Steinberg, sports one marketing, all of that, you know, I think it's so complex of the player side of it, you know, of, you know, in in our side, player endorsement, branding, et cetera, because there's never that nuance of an individual brand. And Mm -hmm. here it's encouraged to, you know, to have the Ninja influencer brand to yourself or whatever. Um, What are some of the challenges that you see moving forward as these big brands come in and start realizing that credible emotional attachment not only goes to a hundred thieves, but each of your players 
Have you guys utilized the Dana White philosophy of owning each of your players, or is it still an open source to sponsor and to endorse? It's really a uh, it's a field that's like changing every every day. But like we went in all about being player first and personality first. We were founded by Nate Shot, you know, one of the greatest video game athletes of all time, who then went on to become a, a massive entertainer and influencer. And so we've always said like 100 Thieves is a platform to help our players grow their own personal brands. And it's a very symbiotic relationship in the sense of like, we're going to help them create podcasts. We're going to help them with their social media. We're going to help them increase their own brand awareness. And we're both going to benefit from that. So yeah, we're always going to be personality first. And with us, it's like, we're still figuring out the economics and the economics is different for every player that we sign and bring in. But the goal is always the same. We want to help them. They want to help us. Awesome. Last question real quick. As an entrepreneur during this pause, this time of uncertainty, what's the pe- best piece of advice you would give to a young entrepreneur, whether it's for esports or not, just an entrepreneurial piece of advice? So many new opportunities coming and there's more time than ever to figure things out. Like I, I had no idea what it was like to be a streamer. And so I picked up a bunch of hobbies during, during this you know, pandemic break. And it's just great to like build your skill set and learn about new things that you've never done before. And it's given me a lot of time to just like think, reflect, learn, um, and see new opportunities. Cause it's just like in a rapidly changing environment, there will always be new opportunities. And so more so than ever, now's a great time to be thinking about starting a company or trying something new. You heard it right here. John Robinson, develop your skills, knowledge, and increase your desire during this time. John, I certainly appreciate it. Big fan of you and your company. Great job. Thank you so much for coming on The Playbook. David, thanks for having me, and uh, can't wait to see you at one of these arenas soon.